Happy Halloween! Welcome to the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo, the podcast where we delve into the mystery of Scooby-Doo media, getting clues from people who helped bring our favorite mystery-solving dog to life on various platforms, and maybe eating some Scooby snacks along the way. I'm your host, Alexa Lawler. Scooby-Doo, where are you? And it would have been mine if it hadn't been to those meddling kids. Gang, we've just been handed our next mystery. Blasted meddling kids. Welcome to the first special, spooky, episode of the podcast, which will be focusing on the latest Scooby-Doo movie release, Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo. Seeing as it is a special episode, it will also be a little bit different in format than my typical interviews. The biggest difference is that you'll hear a little bit more from me in between answers. And with that, let's delve right in. Are you frightened yet? So if you happen to miss it, Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo is the latest movie in the Scooby franchise, which was officially released on October 6th, 2020. Not including the early releases at Walmart and any other places that might have had one. The film is written, directed, and produced by Maxwell Adams, and it's a little bit different than your average Scooby-Doo movie, in that it's a little more action-based. And here's why. Um, I did want to mix it up. So from the beginning, I knew I wanted something that was just sort of a, a juggernaut that just kind of took you, you know, started off in, in action and just took you all the way through the movie. So uh, car chase seemed like a, a natural solution to me. But uh, so, yeah, I, I knew from the beginning that I wanted them to be solving the mystery on the go. Uh, so really, it was just the, the difficulties were... I guess just finding where to place the clues and the real difficulty was just actually getting it done because uh, Scooby-Doo's aren't really made to be action movies. So I, I think I scared some people at Warner Brothers and, and myself <laughs> eventually uh, by doing this. We got him! Bun me shop, second floor. Covert operations are the quiet ones, Freddy. I had the opportunity to ask Maxwell Adams a few questions as part of the New York Comic Con's digital festivities earlier in October. I'll be including the answers to those questions in this episode, as well as a few written answers from someone in the franchise that we all know and love. But we'll get more into that a little bit later. First, let's hear a bit more from Maxwell Adams about how he brought in Scarecrow, who is typically a Batman slash DC villain to the movie. Uh, that was another sort of risky move. Uh, thankfully, I decided on it early on. Uh, but, but the Scooby-Doo's of my childhood, like... Uh, full of kind of weird guest stars and when I was watching Scooby-Doo you know I was also watching the Three Stooges and they'd show up on Scooby-Doo and I'd be like that's amazing so uh, just as as I guess this is my my love letter to Scooby-Doo it's probably the only one I get so I wanted to kind of cram everything that I loved in there and uh, that was part of it <laughs> if you watch Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo you'll be able to catch a few obvious and some not-so-obvious Easter eggs referencing some of the older Scooby-Doo cartoons and a few other shows as well, like The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, for example, which Maxwell Adams created. So I was curious as to how many references and Easter eggs we could expect to see when watching the film. 
another good question. I, I love Easter eggs. Uh, anybody that knows me will know that I tend to pack things with Easter eggs, so there's a lot. I don't count them because it would take a lot of time. <laughs> uh, there's stuff from, uh, definitely there's a ton of, of Scooby Easter eggs. Uh, there's one or two fairly obvious uh, Billy and Mandy uh, pop pop-ups, I guess, uh, Halloween floats. Uh, but yeah, there's everything from Predator to The Matrix. Uh, uh, there's a lot of 80s stuff. It's it's very, uh, when the movie started, or when I started to make the movie, uh, it was going to be a 50th anniversary thing, and, and we missed that by a year. But uh, the idea was to kind of ground it in 1969 and then leak in my childhood of the, of the 80s, 80s monster movie stuff. Ravsies? Ravsies? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go into this next question, this is your major spoiler alert. If you have not seen the movie yet, skip this question and do it now. Okay. So for those of you that have watched, you know that Happy Halloween Scooby-Doo is the finishing part of a trilogy, including Curse of the 13th Ghost and Return to Zombie Island. So for my question... Can you speak to what it was like working on a movie in a trilogy where each movie had different writers, directors, producers, etc.? I can, and I will. Uh, I, this was sort of a weird one for me because I actually didn't know it was part of a trilogy, really, until about a week before the script was done. <laughs> so I, I had gone back and just binge-watched as much Scooby-Doo as I could, all, all the movies and stuff, but I hadn't seen like the three or four most recent ones because they weren't um, easily accessible on the shelf at Warner Brothers. Uh, and I knew that the... Uh, spoilers, people. I knew that the bad guy was supposed to be the sheriff, uh, but I didn't know why. I was just like, oh, they want the sheriff to be the bad guy. And they were like, yeah, do it if you can. And I was like, okay. And then I don't even remember how I found out, but it was like... Uh, we were about to go into production and someone was like, oh yeah, what about the thing with the mystery machine? And I was like, what? <laughs> so I got the video and I just uh, watched the, the most recent two or three back to back. And I was like, well, I can't, I can't de-kill the mystery machine, but uh, I can fix a couple other things. <laughs> that was my journey. We're Mystery Incorporated. This is who we are. This is what we do. Both Velma and Daphne's characters have had interesting developments over the years. And here are Maxwell's influences for Velma and her mind palace and the kind of goofier version of Daphne that we see in the film. Um, I, I guess the direct influence for the mind palace is uh, the BBC Sherlock Holmes, probably. I think that's the, the biggest mind palace we've seen in the last decade. <laughs> so I don't think it would have happened if, if that hadn't existed. Uh, yeah, with, with Daphne, uh, I sort of just stole Daphne from Be Cool Scooby-Doo. Uh, and with Daphne, I, I, she's always been in sort of a weird place where she started off as sort of the damsel in distress and then just became like this incredible ass kicker. Uh, and I, I, when I was watching all the Scooby-Doo's, I was like, well, there's 50 years of history. Like, what do I take? And I was like, well, what if I just took it all? <laughs> like, what if she's, you know, she gets herself into trouble and she kicks ass, but she's also, you know, got something else going on upstairs. <laughs> Are you serious? For a majority of these questions, I submitted them by email and they were read out by a moderator. But this next question I actually got to ask myself. So let's cut to one of my usual questions that I always ask in interviews. 
coming into work on a Scooby-Doo movie 50 years after the franchise began, why do you think that Scooby-Doo has lasted so long? Uh, I really do think it's it's just the characters. They're so uh, they're so relatable and just rock solid, and they do have this dynamic uh, that I've, I've compared a couple times to Bill and Ted, but it's not quite that extreme. Like Bill and Ted, uh, you can say anything to them, and they'll just be like, "Yeah, whatever." And it's kind of that way with Scooby. Like uh, you know, that they're tight. You know, they're not. There's you don't have to worry about anybody betraying each other or just dumb <laughs> nonsense drama. Like they're friends and. They solve mysteries. It's simple. earlier I mentioned that I had received a few written responses from someone in the franchise that we all know and love and that person is of course none other than Frank Welker the voice of both Fred and Scooby all right gang let's solve this mystery I sent him a few questions and here are two that were specifically about happy Halloween Scooby-Doo the first was what it was like to have Bill Nye and Elvira as guest stars in this full-length movie Seeing as it is a written answer, unfortunately, I'm not as talented as Frank and I can't imitate him, but I will do my best at reading these answers out loud. I've had the pleasure of working with both Bill Nye and Elvira, Cassandra, in the past, but did not actually work with them together in the studio on this project. We all worked separately, which is customary nowadays, but when I did work with them, recording in the past, I remember Cassandra was quite different from her Elvira persona. She was fun and a little shy and very sweet. Not at all scary. Very friendly and a good solid performer. Bill Nye, on the other hand, was quite outgoing and I think would have taken over as director had we not already had one. He was full of interesting stories and seemed to really enjoy being part of the Scooby guest list. It is always fun to work with and meet different people. These two guests were interesting and outstanding in what they do and perfect treats for a Scooby Halloween. And my second question was if he had a favorite moment in the movie for either Fred, Scooby, or one for each. I thought it was a hoot that Freddy got bare-chested Rambo style in this romp. He was funny, over-the-top, thanks to our wonderful crazy writer Max. It made me laugh. Scooby is just scared as can be, and I am not sure who is more terrified, Shaggy or Scoob. But the two of them managed to get into trouble as always. Of course, being Halloween, there's a lot more food goodies, and snacks. I guess if I were to sum it up, Rappy Rowreen! Yummy. And with that, we're at the end of the very first spooky special episode for the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. A huge thank you to both Maxwell Adams and Frank Welker for taking the time to answer a few questions. And again, thank you guys for listening. For more groovy content, be sure to check at UnmaskedSD on Twitter, at UnmaskedSDPodcast on Instagram, or at UnmaskedSDPodcast.com. 
You can also find the podcast on Facebook under the Unmasked History of Scooby-Doo. If you like this episode and want to hear more, also make sure to check those social media channels or the website. Or you can listen to older episodes wherever you like to get your podcast fix. Thanks for listening, and keep an ear out for the next episode. Scooby-Doo-Bee-Doo!